everybody. Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. Today is Friday, March 9th, and it is March Madness. I am so psyched tonight going into New York City, going to see the Big East Tournament where get Xavier Creighton, no, 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 Xavier Providence, and what's the other matchup? Villanova, and actually that's still that game is still underway. It's late night Thursday. I'm recording. So, this is one of my favorite sporting events of the year. It's the one I always go to. Uh, I go to the Browns home opener, which is usually sad. Uh, I like to make it to one Indians game, but, you know, like baseball, you know, they win and lose every week, no matter what. So Big East is where it's really fun because, you know, first of all, college sports right off the bat is just so exciting. You know, you don't have these guys that are getting paid to play. Well, that's conversation for another time some people are getting paid to play but for the most part you have a lot of these guys that play in college that are knowing hey we're not going to be professional basketball players you know this is where it matters and I've always been a big fan of college sports in general mainly because of that you know they aren't like playing for game checks they're playing for the fact that they love their sport and they want to win and they really like leave it all out there so Right now I'm watching Butler and Seton Hall. The winner goes to play Villanova technically Friday night, tomorrow night, where I'll be in the city. Uh, it's a tournament I've been doing for a long time. Usually it would be the opening round. This is the semifinals I'm going to. And back when you know, I was a kid, my dad took us for the first time, me and two of my friends. And uh, we left school early on a Wednesday, went into the city. And, I mean, my dad, he would. He, he, he would spare no expense. He We would get like a, a limo going into the city for no reason whatsoever just to go into the city, hang out at a bar called the Tirnanag across the street, and, you know, wait for the game to start up, go inside, and just watch basketball, then come home. It was like a Wednesday afternoon, a bunch of teams I don't really get to watch all that much, but this would become like our thing every year, and it was really fun. I even did it in high school, which, and this is one of my favorite hooky stories ever, right? So I'm in high school, I'm a sophomore, and it's, you know, March Madness coming around. This is the time baseball tryouts start. And my town is like, listen, uh, you're going to have to leave school, which means you wouldn't be able to make it back for your baseball tryout. I'm like, right, okay. He's like, do you care if you miss your baseball tryout? And I was like, to be honest, no, not really. And I was like, I'll say I'm sick. So I left sick, quote-unquote, that day. Uh, it was like the third day of baseball tryouts out of like four or five. And I went into the city and ended up seeing one of the dads that actually like knows the coach on a decent level to a point where I was like, this might cause a problem. Whatever, it's fine. It was worth it because we went in and we got to see one of the Jerry McNamara game winners in the Big East Tournament when he was on Syracuse, and that was so much fun. What a fun time to be like rooting for it. Like I've seen some really good action. I saw the Kemba Walker step back cardiac Kemba. I've seen two Jerry McNamara uh, game winners. Uh, how about when you know Eric Diebenvorf and Syracuse were taking on Georgetown for the with like the marathon men game, the seven overtimes with Johnny Flynn and uh, Hasin Thabit, that game, you know, that goes down for history. And that was when we were in college. I usually made it back for this. Uh, point of the story, though, is I actually 
got cut from the baseball team, but used that time to work on football and ended up starting as a junior. So it all worked out, you know, for the better because I wasn't long for baseball in high school. If you know me, I, I liked baseball a lot. I was good growing up, but skill caught up with me there. And, you know, there's only so many times you can swing in the batter's box. But my favorite hooky story had to be get, getting to the nurse's office, not feeling well, and she's like, you look fine. And I'm like, I don't feel good. Call my dad. Oh, he's already here with the car service? Great. <laughs> like, that wasn't the most transparent leave early ever, but whatever. It was fun. Uh, so tell me, what is your favorite hooky story? I want to see it in the comments. Uh, you can comment on Instagram, on Twitter. We'll do it on Facebook. Uh, let me know what your favorite hooky story is because I think mine is one of the best. And uh, uh, it's really the only story I do have from it is just leaving school early to go and watch basketball games all day. But, hey, March Madness, it's a lot of fun. I don't really watch college basketball during the regular season. So when it comes time to, like, all the game winners and, and you know, these teams like Vermont and like any team from the MAAC and you get teams like uh, Winthrop and, you know, Cleveland State, you know, Murray Valley, all these crazy places that like you only hear of once a year and they get to win their tournament. It's usually in crazy fashion. There's a lot of fun happening this week. March Madness is a lot, a lot of fun. Uh couple quick hitters, though, before we get into the episode. Uh, I want to follow up with last week's episode. I made a little rant on the Golden State Warriors and how they're claiming kind of like every, you know, geographical name you can go with, right? You know, they've been Golden State for, you know, that's the team name, the Golden State Warriors. And they've been nicknamed the City, which is, you know, they're kind of like their thing, which is fine, whatever, but you're already getting City and State. They tried the land, but when they were playing Cleveland, it didn't land as much because Cleveland had the land kind of locked down. So it was like, all right, the land kind of fell apart. Then they did this stupid, like, city jersey, like, promotion where everyone had one, but theirs was, theirs was the town. So it's like, okay, they've had everything, right? Now they're rolling with the bay. This is unreal. Like, they're getting, like, everything. Next, they're going to be the Pacific, or the ocean. It's just, it's it's nuts how they kind of just like still going after this. Stick to one thing, right? You know, like it. a nickname lands better when you don't have a billion of them. If you just have one nickname, you know, people respect it more and people will like remember it more. If you try to go by a thousand things, no one's really going to think about that. So, I don't know. That's just my little uh, tidbit on the matter. Uh, it's just a little follow-up from last week. Another quick hitter. We got Jake News. Okay, this past week, J.R. Smith suspended by the team one game by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wondering why. You know, what 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 team violation? Was he late to practice? What did he do? You know, was he, uh, you know, he sleep in? Did he did tell off one of his teammates? Did he, nope. He threw a bowl of soup at Damon Jones, one of the assistant coaches for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I have heard from people close to the Cleveland Cavaliers organization, and I know that's kind of stupid you know, for me to say that, but I have heard that from someone I know that says Damon Jones is a real 
fill in the blank, whatever you want to call them, a knob job, let's say. And not like no one likes him, but except for Ty Lu. And he's always been kind of treated uh, with extra care as one of the assistant coaches. So uh, even more so than other coaches that are probably better and more deserving than him, even if they're not there anymore. So Damon Jones and JR get into a little spit, you know, spat, whatever you want to call it. And JR wields a bowl of soup. We still do not know, A, was this an overhand throw? Was it a scoop? Did he toss it like a frisbee? How did he throw it? Was it like hard? Did he throw it like a baseball? We got to know two things. How did he throw it? And what kind of soup, right? What is the worst soup to get hit with? You know, that's what all everyone wants to know. I'm, I'm thinking the best soup would would to get hit with would be chicken noodle, right? Because it smells okay. It's not creamy or anything. It's very brothy, right? And that's what you would want. You would want something that it's not going to stink and it's not going to be like creamy. I think the worst soup, you know, tomato bisque is up there. Uh, I would hate to get hit with a cold soup, maybe like a gazpacho. Uh, I, you know, maybe a, you know, any clam chowder. You want to avoid red, so you want to avoid the Manhattan clam chowder. But you also don't want the creamy New England clam chowder. This is a tough call. I think if I'm getting hit with the soup, my obviously my favorite is uh, you know chicken noodle. But if we're talking worst soup to get hit with, I'm going with the gazpacho. I'm going with tomato bisque. I'm going with New England clam chowder. That's it. I kind of like the creaminess of it to be the one that I want to avoid. So let me know what you guys think. What's the worst soup to get hit with? You know, if J.R. Smith is chucking one at you, and what is the context here? I mean, obviously it's just like, you know, Damon Jones telling him to do something that he doesn't want to do, and he's fed up with it. But this is classic J.R. being J.R. Like, if you don't love J.R. Smith, you know, it's whatever. The guy is a treasure. And I'm so glad he won the championship with the Cavaliers because he'll be immortal in my eyes forever. You know, he's just one of those guys. And he's on the only championship I've ever had, so... All right, so that was Jake News, and uh, one of the things I want to point out, I was kind of leading to it before with the March Madness, is you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, uh, like mental games, mental lists, right? And I like ranking things. I do that every week on this show. One of the things I like to rank is calendar turns, right? What does this mean? Every time you turn the calendar at work, and this happened last week, so I'm a little behind on this one, but I didn't bring it up last week. Every time you turn the calendar, you, you have this mental image when you see the next page, the blank page of the next month. Sometimes the mental thought like the, the, that you bring into your head is, it's a good thing, I'm excited, or it's, oh, fuck, not this month, right? right? So like, where does February to March rank? And it's really high for me because I look at it as it's a good sports month with the Final Four kicking off, you know, all of March Madness, which eventually leads to spring training and baseball. And then, you know, the playoffs for uh, basketball and hockey are just around the corner. And for me, it's the biggest because football, football offseason is at its highest in March. You know, April is the draft, but March is preparing for the draft and it's free agency. You get a lot of the, the league new year. It's a lot of new stuff. And for the Browns, who usually have a bad regular season, the off season is where 
I kind of like to enjoy things. You know, it's like, hey, a lot of hope in March if your team is bad. So I like February turning into March. I think it's one of the best. I think the worst one might be January into February and then December into January. Nobody likes those calendar turns. Even if it's your birthday in those months, it's just a long, cold, 60-so days, right? It's not fun for anyone. My favorite calendar turn, well, we'll do top three, right? My favorite is April into May, right? That's the number one for me because of what you got going on, okay? May 1st, you got five solid months ahead of you, right? You've got all of summer. You've got all of spring. You've got a lot of sports coming up. You've got some vacation time coming up. When you were in school, it meant end of the school year, so summer, like summer break was on. April and May, no question, number one. Number two, I'm probably going with February into March, just because it's out. you're out of the woods now, right? You're not technically done, right? Like we had a snowstorm this week and got let out early. So I'm not, I'm not saying you're done done, but you're out of like, you're at least feeling hope, right? You're at least got that going for you. I mean, the other, and you know, it's just, it's out of February. No one likes February. So, and I mean, my next favorite would probably be, I don't know, I, I, at this point it doesn't really matter because it's all this season, right? March into April is another great one. You got baseball season kicking off. You got the Masters. Final Four is that usually the first week. A lot of stuff going on. So the next three months, the calendar turns are all really good ones. It's all up for uphill from here, right? We're out of the woods now. So... Daylight savings this week, too. So calendar, turn, and we're also going to get a lot more light going on. Just things to look forward to in this month. You know, and one of the reasons I like March so much, more so than people that might be listening to this podcast, is because of a local holiday we have around here called Parade Day. Now, St. Patrick's Day isn't for, you know, another week from now, but the first Sunday of March is the Belmar St. Patrick's Day Parade. Every year, yes, it's a Sunday. You know, it would be better off on a Saturday, but, you know, they have their reasons for having it on a Sunday, maybe because they don't want everyone to go lose their goddamn minds and burn down the city. But the St. Patrick's Parade Day is so much fun. There's always good pictures. Even if the weather's not fun, if the weather's not great, it's still a great time. You don't even walk in the parade. You just watch for a little bit. And then the parade ends, and you trot around town, meeting up with people you don't always see, getting you know beer deals. That every bar does something fun with live music. It's just an excuse to drink, which is totally fine because everyone going into it knows that that's the case. And I think they would drink a whole lot more if it was on a Saturday. So I understand why they don't do it, but it's one of the reasons the turn of the month is my favorite is Parade Day. You know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And, hey, if anyone hasn't gone to Parade Day and you don't know what I'm talking about, come visit next year, first Sunday of March. Show you a good time. It's a lot of fun. One of my favorite holidays of the year. In fact, why don't we jump right into that with Jake's top five of the week. All right? My top five this week are the top five parties of the year. Now, this can vary wherever you are regionally. It can vary based on, you know, your religion or what you believe in, where you're from. A lot of different variables go into this. So 
this is you know someone who lives at the Jersey Shore and what you know I get to enjoy on a yearly basis. All right, number five, awards night. Now, everybody likes to enjoy the Oscars, right? That was last week. You know, everyone enjoys those like Grammys and all those shows. I'm not like super into them, but it's a fun time to you know everyone's dressing up, do the red carpet, go over the year of awards where people get really excited for winning things. Well, it doesn't have to be just for the celebrities. It could be for you and your friends, too. And one thing that my group of friends does is we get ready for awards season with our very own awards. At the end of the year, we nominate and vote for a bunch of different categories, such as like our favorite bar of the year, what our favorite party was, uh, who was the most entertaining person of the year, which is kind of like the big one, right? That's like picture of the year. Uh, there is picture of the year, but that's not, you know, entertainer of the year, which I've won. Um, just saying. So, <laughs> and it's a lot of fun because, you know, we, we host at a different place each year. This isn't like it's in LA every time. This past year, we had a red carpet going. We had uh, um, a whole slideshow, thanks to Owen and Tara Stewart, who hosted a hell of a job. And uh, I painted some, uh, not painted, but I taped up some beers to, with some gold paint to hand out as trophies. And we had certificates and everything. It was a real shebang. And it turned from just simply voting for our favorite things of the year, and now it's into a real party with a real event and you know cameras. Like one of, uh, one of the friend's girlfriends has like a professional you know, camera that we use that for it. It's a lot of fun that goes into it, and it's it's one of my favorites of the year because we get to kind of just relive the whole year all together. So, uh, number five is awards night. Uh, number four, this is another one that's regional, Barry World. Now, shout out to the Berries in Point Pleasant. Uh, good friend of mine, Lauren Barry, uh, now Lauren Heine. Uh, her family has a place on the water in Point, and only recently did I start getting invited to their summer party. Now, usually they say they've got something going on, right? She's one of four, so there's like a graduation going on. Last year was an engagement party. Uh, there's always something to celebrate. Uh, I think that's kind of just an excuse to throw a party because these people are good party throwers. They're going to find reasons to throw one, so they're just going to do it anyway. So, Barry World, at the end of July every year, they, I mean, they have fireworks on their own dock, they have margarita makers, they have like, you know, fully catered food and a bartender, they have jet skis and pool toys and like, we just, frisbee and all, all the, all the fun things you would want. And then they have synchronized fireworks at the end of the night to whatever song that they picked that year. Geotag filters for Instagram and, and Snapchat. And we go to the River Rock afterwards, which is a, a secret favorite bar of mine. And hey, it's just a great time. So Barry World, number four party of the year. Number three, Parade Day. I was just telling you about it before. Belmar St. Patrick's Day Parade Day. You start out, you can go north to south, whatever, south to north. You can follow the parade. 
everyone's got different paths they go on. They stop at different bars. You know, PK's is gone, but they replace it with this new one, Joe's. Actually, I have no idea. It's called like the Beach Bar or whatever. I have no idea. Marina Grill is now jumping in. We went to, you know, there's green pizza at Don's Pizzeria. That's like, that's a big part of it now. Everyone's got their own routine on it. A lot of people live on Belmar on, on Main Street. So there's a lot of things to get excited for when, uh, when Parade Day comes through. Everyone's got their own routine. Boathouse, Pat Roddy Band. Barre's got certain deals, and it has the Shamrock Party. So, Belmar Parade Day, number three party of the year. Number two, this is the, this is the, the big ones are coming out. Scotto 4th of July Party. Now, I hate to give the Scotto so much credit because, uh, you know, once you, you know, give them an inch, they'll take a mile with all the credit. So, but I will say that growing up, I missed this party a lot. We would go down to the 4th of July is usually when I have my family reunion down in the Outer Banks. And I still have it, you know, then. But now that everyone's grown up and the kids are now running the party, they kind of cater it a little bit to whenever it works best them. The Saturday before or after. And I sometimes am able to make this party. Recently, I've been able to make it, like, I think five of the last six years just because of the way it fell I would either be able to come back from North Carolina and make it back to this party at night, at that Saturday night, or, you know, this past year, we left a day later. We left Sunday instead of Saturday down for the 4th of July in, in North Carolina, and I got to make the party, and it's a lot of fun. The Scotters are great hosts. Uh, now that the kids host the party, it's still just as great. Uh, it's just a little bit of a, a different... Uh, like crowd, you know, it's a much younger crowd now, but they still do a great job of, hey, it's got to be 21 and older, everyone behave, but having your neighbors throw a 300-person party is always pretty sweet. You know, hit the bars afterwards. Besides, 4th of July, everyone likes 4th of July. Red, white, and blue. It's summer. It's hot, it's hot out. It's nice. It's always a fun time. 4th of July is one of my favorite holidays. It should be no exception that the Scott of Fourth of July party, which always has like eight kegs, DJ, someone's always doing like whatever like it is they can to help because the Scotters are so great. So everyone comes there hoping to help out in any way. So number two party of the year, Scott of Fourth of July party. And then number one, you know, this hey, what do you do, right? You know, every every Christmas I go to Ohio. Every Halloween, there's a couple parties there, too. First of the year, you know, January 1st, New Year's party. That's a big one. The number one party of the year is Brosgiving. It, it, it has and always will be the most fun. And I think as we get older, that won't change because you Brosgiving is all about coming home, right? You come home and you want to see... Like, all your friends and family that you don't usually see. So, even though I still live where I grew up, it's fun to see everybody right before the holidays, right before a nice, like, you know, for me, I get that four-day vacation, the Thursday and Friday of Thanksgiving off, and you get really excited because, you know, we all, I mean, we all just get drunk, and, and, and we have a couple crazy traditions that we probably shouldn't continue doing that we're 28 29 years old like 
slapping the bag and drinking wine out of a box or doing the uh, Merry Christmas uh, Santa hat full of uh, airplane bottles of alcohol or the mystery grab bag of tall boy beers, right? All bad ideas, but we do them anyway because it's nice to see everybody and it's kicking off right before the holidays. It's just unbelievable. So much fun every year and uh, it's the number one party to me. Now, shout out to Memorial Day, which is one of my favorite holidays. There's not a consistent party each year with that. Number one party every year is bros giving. You, know, you wear your flannel, you go to your own old hometown bars and enjoy the hell out of it. It's a lot of fun. All right, so those are my top five parties of the year. I, uh, I want to see what you guys think. What am I forgetting? What do you guys do differently that maybe not everybody else does? Leave it in the comments section. You know, what are the other great parties that should be included here? It could be sports related. It could be family related. It could be religion related. Who, who knows? You know, everybody has a different tradition from where they're from. All right. So before we get into the real football stuff, I want to do one more. We got a one minute movie review before I jump into my mock draft. And my one minute movie review this week is of Game Night with Jason Bateman. Now, it was great. I love all Jason Bateman movies. Uh, going into this, I kind of had, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was, you know, going to be a little bit of a letdown. The synopsis of the movie is, you know, this, this couple, they, uh, you know, things have gotten a little stale. They have their same routine and things aren't always as fun. So they wanted to spice it up a little bit and uh, change their game night to something a little bit more serious when something goes wrong, right? Like, that's always how these movies go, but the cast was awesome. Um, I don't know the blonde guy's name who played Ryan, but he was hilarious. Um, you had Winston, uh, Winnie the Bish from, uh, from New Girl. He was great. Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams, Kyle Chandler, a whole cast that was really good. Uh, Dexter showed up. What's his name? Uh, I mean, it, the whole cast was great. The story was pretty cool. They kept on twisting and turning it, which made it a lot of fun. And I went in with low expectations, and I got to admit, I freaking loved the movie. It was a lot of fun. It's something that, like, the moment I came out of it, I was like, you know what? My parents are going to love this, too. Like, I'm going to see this again and again, and I'm going to enjoy it each time because I'm sure there are things that I didn't, you know, I didn't pick up on. Jesse Plemons. All right, from uh, you know Breaking Bad and uh, Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Great, he was hilarious in it too. It was just an overall great job, great movie, a lot of fun. Uh, I give it a ten out of ten. I highly recommend it. It's a lot better than all the rerun Jason Bateman movies, right? Like after after Horrible Bosses, it kind of got stale for a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I love Jason Bateman. I met him. He was really nice when I met him at Madison Square Garden. But uh, it's actually a pretty cool story. You know, out of all the people that I met at Madison Square Garden, he was one of the nicer people. You know, there was a lot of construction going on when I was working there, and you know, they needed people to, you know, us to take in the like very important guests and bring them in through like the channels so they don't get 
like hounded by thousands of fans when they're just going to a Rangers game, right? And when Jason Bain was there, he was with uh, his friend, and uh, they both brought like one of their kids, and his his daughter was like three years old or whatever. So it was like really funny that like he was there with his like three year old, and he just walks up to him and he's like, "Hi, Jake B, Jason B, uh, I need to get to my seats. I don't know where I'm going." I don't really do a good Bateman impression, but he was really funny. He was really nice. Uh, and at the end of the game, he couldn't decide if he wanted to leave early because it was a hockey game going into overtime. And uh, it was really late. His daughter was sleeping like on him. And the Rangers ended up like having a game winner really quickly in overtime. And I ran him out of there. So and a little funny story about meeting Bateman. But anyway, the movie itself was great. I highly recommend it. Check it out. It's worth your while. Game night, that is. So, all right. Now that that's done with, this last week was one of my favorite events, the NFL Scouting Combine. We have college football players from all across the United States coming in. There's like 300 of them. They're trying to be draft eligible. For those who don't know what the Combine is, this is their chance to show to the NFL teams why they are ready to play in the NFL. A lot of times it means nothing, right? They call it the Underwear Olympics. They don't have pads on. They're not playing against other people. They're just doing drills. They're running their 40-yard dash. They're bench repping uh, 225 pounds to see how many times they can press. Uh, they're you know running other cone drills you know to see how quick their agility is. They're throwing the ball 90 yards downfield just to show that they can. Going through gauntlets where the ball's being thrown at them. A ton of different drills that really, at the end of the day, doesn't mean anything bad, could mean something good. It really just shows the type of athlete you are and how you handle these types of things. So it's big to me because of, like I said before, the Browns are typically in this scenario where they need to kind of make a splash in the offseason because they haven't had a good regular season and it's time for them to kind of like, you know, step it up. And there's a lot of hope in March. Combine was good. There were a lot of guys that stood out. I'm going to talk more about the standouts next week with Brendan Leister when he comes on to discuss NFL free agency. For now, though, I did my first mock draft of the season post-Combine. We're starting with, and, and we're not going to do any trades. We're just going to go right into the draft and how I see it playing out post-combine, pre-free agency. Lots of changes to come. This is early. I'm probably going to do four more before draft night. But here we go. Number one overall pick. Okay, I've got the Cleveland Browns taking quarterback Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma. Now, I'll... We have no idea right now, right? This time last year was pretty much Miles Garrett or bust for the Browns at number one. A lot of people were kind of flirting the idea of Trubisky. You know, you know Solomon Thomas got some talk. Uh, Deshaun Watson was in the talk for a little bit, but it was always pretty clean those Miles Garrett because nobody really knew what the quarterback position had, and Miles Garrett was as clean as a prospect as you can get. Turned out to be a good pick. He had a nice solid rookie year. But the Browns still need a quarterback. This year, similar to last year, not really a quarterback sticking out 
there are a lot of you know kick-ass players, right? Saquon Barkley, running back. Quentin Nelson, offensive lineman. Minka Fitzpatrick, free safety. Lots of really solid, clean prospects. But the Browns have ignored quarterback for way too long. They have drafted just one quarterback in the top 21 picks since 1980. That was Tim Couch. So this whole thing about people saying, oh, the Browns, they, they, you know, they keep on messing up their quarterback that they draft high. I'm like, what are you talking about? They've drafted a bunch of quarterbacks at 22. You know, quarterbacks that everybody passed on. You know, Brandon Whedon was the fourth quarterback taken when they took him, in, in, you know, at the 22nd pick. Johnny Manziel was passed over by many teams for a lot of different problems. Now we know those problems. And then Brady Quinn, he had bust written all over him. So many teams dropped him, and he was stuck in that green room, and everybody got to see, oh my God, that was an embarrassing night for him. These weren't the cream of the crop must-take quarterbacks, right? These were guys that fell. And I think the Browns have just passed on quarterback too long. I know there are cleaner prospects. I know there are sure things. And there's not even a one quarterback that sticks out. But Baker Mayfield, a personal favorite of mine, what do you got? Every year, people overanalyze the quarterbacks, talking about their athleticism, talking about how tall they might not be, what problems they might have. But it turns out, the quarterbacks that perform the best at quarterbacking turn out to be pretty good. Let Deshaun Watson, people picked apart so many things about Deshaun Watson last year leading up to the draft. He goes 12th to the Texans. They take him. They play him. Guess what? He's still pretty good. The Browns, no matter who they draft a quarterback, they're going to have to develop him. They're going to have to build around him, and they're going to have to set him up nicely to succeed. They can't just assume you know, that he's going to do fine on his own. Set him up to succeed. Baker Mayfield is the best actual quarterback. Is he the strongest? No. Is he the biggest? No. Is he the fastest? No. But when it comes to being a quarterback in the pocket, passing the football, he's the best, right? So that's why I got him at number one. Sure to change, but hey. Number two. And number two, I've got the Giants taking running back Saquon Barkley out of Penn State. Now, a lot of people are talking Barkley might go number one, right? Like, you know, the Browns, they'd be stupid to pass on Saquon Barkley. But, you know, right now I think they'd be stupid to pass on a quarterback they think can change the franchise. No matter how many guys are in this draft, you can't pass on a QB when you need one. Giants don't need a QB. I think it would be wise for them to look at these QBs. You know, they know that, uh, you know, Eli Manning isn't going to be around forever, so... You know, what do you have here? you got to prepare for the future. But they've made it pretty clear they want to surround Eli with as much help as they can get him. I think offensive line would be great here. Quentin Nelson, hometown guy, RBC grad. I'm a big fan of his because of personally knowing him. But I think at the end of the day, they're going to look at a prospect like Saquon Barkley who, absolute, who had one of the best combines in NFL history, right? For a guy that big running that fast, for a guy that fast putting up those reps, jumping that high, catching the ball like he can, Saquon Barkley does so much more than you could ever imagine. Phil Simms said it best. I mean, 
you know, I not Phil Sims, uh, Chris Sims said it best. You know, I was listening to the Sims and Lefko podcast yesterday, and he pointed out something. He goes, "Well, he's like David Johnson, but um, he, you know, but he's stronger and a better runner." And it's like, "Oh, okay, so is he like uh, Lashawn McCoy?" He's like, "Well, he's like Lashawn McCoy, but he's a lot more powerful." It's like, "Oh, but he's Leonard Fournette." He's like, "Well, yeah, he's like Leonard Fournette, but he's faster and he's a better receiver." I was like, "Oh, well, is he like Le'Veon Bell?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's a lot like Le'Veon Bell, but uh, he's more explosive." You know, every running back he took, he said, you know, all the good running backs in the NFL, he's like, oh, he's Todd Gurley, but bigger and stronger. Like, he is every good quarterback, running back in the NFL, but better, apparently. I don't think he's, you know, when people compare him to Adrian Peterson, it's a little, that's a little not true, right? He's not Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson ran like he was wanting to kill someone. Saquon Barkley busts out the big-ass plagues, but he's not Adrian Peterson. He's special, though, and he's the surest thing in this draft. I think the Giants, uh, you know, it, it is the best pick for them? Maybe, maybe not. There are a lot of good running backs in this draft that they could get at 34. Uh, there will be other running backs in the first round, so maybe get a guy like Quentin Nelson, but it sounds like they're going to sign Andrew Norwell from Carolina. That already helps out their line a lot. Why not take Saquon Barkley and have him and Odell Beckham on the same team? Nothing wrong with that. I could totally see that playing out. Number three, I have the Indianapolis Colts taking Quentin Nelson, guard Notre Dame. A lot of people say, oh, guard should not be taken in the top five. You know, that number three will be the highest a guard has been taken. And I get that, but you have invested so much in Andrew Luck. And I think there aren't any wide receivers to get in this draft. You missed out on Barkley. You're not going to take a QB. You could take Bradley Chubb here, and you can you know, improve your defense. But why not help your offensive line, right? The Colts have had a bad offensive line for years now. And they have a quarterback who can't stay healthy because he keeps getting destroyed by his offensive line. Part of it's on Andrew Luck for being a tough guy and taking that on, but he needs to be more careful with his body. And one thing to do that is get him the best offensive lineman in the draft. I don't care what position, you know, he plays. You know, he's going to put, you're going to put him at left guard. He's like, oh, well, tackle's more important. It's like, sure, tackle's more important. But if you could get an all-world guard, you'd do it. You're going to get Quentin Nelson. He's going to be there for a long time. His family will be very happy. He'll be very happy with Indianapolis which isn't too far from where their home is now in Syracuse, Indiana. i got to imagine they'll like that, not having to go too far from Notre Dame. I think Quentin Nelson is a home run pick for the Colts, even if it's not one of those big-time positions. There are no receivers in this draft. You missed Barkley. You don't need a QB. Your defense needs a lot of work. One player, sure, Bradley Chubb, Ming Fitzpatrick would help, but protect your investment. Draft an offensive line for Andrew Luck. Start with Quentin Nelson. Number four, Browns are back on the clock. You know, if they didn't have this fourth pick, quarterback at one would be a slam dunk, right? They're definitely going to have to do it. And I still think they have to anyway. But now that they have this fourth pick, a lot of people are flirting with the idea of taking a quarterback at four and taking Barkley at one. While that's interesting, and I do like the idea of having Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley, I don't think you can pass on your quarterback if you find a quarterback you love. So at four, 
I have the Browns taking Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, I think that's a great deal. I think Fitzpatrick is one of the cleanest prospects in this draft, along with the two that just went, Barkley, Nelson, and Bradley Chubb out of NC State. I think those four guys are the surefire locks to be good NFL players. Fitzpatrick has been called Nick Saban's son at Alabama. And everything he does is just great. He is always around the ball. He is a great deep cover guy. He, he can play safety. He can play outside corner. He can play slot. You can play him down at linebacker on third and longs. He's a Malcolm Jenkins, but at this age, much more impressive. And he's just got like instant NFL impact written all over him. And he'd go really well with Jabril Peppers playing in the box. And he's kind of free to do whatever. The other thing, too, is if you draft him, it makes your D-backs so versatile, right? You're not drafting just a free safety. You're not drafting just a cor outside corner. He's always going to be on the field. So what you do is you play him. And then based on whatever else your roster has, you fill around him. Let's say you have a really good nickel corner. Okay, you don't have to play him at nickel. You play him on the outside. Well, let's say you have two really good boundary corners. Well, now you can play them on the inside. You can play them at safety. Oh, no, you're set at safety. You've got two pretty good ones. Then you play them at nickel. You play them outside. He just provides so much value, and if there's an injury out there, he can fill in, and you, and you don't have to force yourself into a tough spot. He has leadership qualities. He's already said that he would love to go to the Cleveland Browns because he thinks they need a leader on that defense. I would love that. It also would be interesting with this pick. You know, a lot of people are forgetting this pick is from Houston. So what did they get in the Deshaun Watson trade, right? You know, they got the chance to take a quarterback at number one overall. If they do and take a good quarterback, then, the you know, the trade will be okay. It'll be fine. You know, no one wants to pass on Deshaun Watson anymore. But if the Browns figure out quarterback this year at one, that trade will have been Deshaun Watson for Jabril Peppers and Minka Fitzpatrick. That's a really interesting scenario to say, hmm, you know, the Browns are going to take their quarterback next year anyway. So instead of Deshaun Watson, they have their two starting safeties in Peppers and Fitzpatrick. Now Peppers can play close to the line of scrimmage, get to do what he does better. I think that works out really well for the Browns. Number five. I'm going to start ripping through this pretty, pretty fast now. Josh Rosen, quarterback, UCLA, goes to the Denver Broncos. Again, this will depend on free agency. Uh... It'll we'll see where Kirk Cousins go because that'll really uh, determine a lot on the quarterback play. But to me, I think uh, Denver signs a guy that can start kind of right now, but they're still gonna not want to pass on a, on a Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen is getting a bad rap out there. He is a competitive guy. He's a really smart guy. And every answer to every question is smarter than I've ever heard from a quarterback prospect. Uh, a lot of people like to just say he's got a bad attitude or he's got, you know, oh, he's, he's very full of himself. It's, uh, all I hear are the same things that Aaron Rodgers said when he was drafted. And he fell because of the quote-unquote California attitude, which is so stupid. And I fell for it. I felt like... I've heard that he's a little entitled, and I believed it because he kind of comes off that way. But he also comes off as a guy that loves football, and he's really competitive. He's just really smart and sometimes too smart for his own good, so he sounds kind of like a dick. 
but I think he's going to be great. I think he's the surest thing at quarterback in this draft. His biggest concerns are his attitude, which I think is stupid. It's you know like, and, and the other concern is durability, which sure I understand. He's had concussion issues, and you don't want to be drafting a quarterback that you think is going to get hurt in his career. But if it ha- if you have to take a quarterback, and you know you can never just assume injuries. So if you're taking a quarterback, Josh Rosen's a pretty good one to go with. I think Denver would be very happy with him in the long run. Number six. The New York Jets. This will be another one. Another quarterback-needy team. Do they get one in free agency? I kind of think they do. They've been linked to Teddy Bridgewater. They've been linked to uh, Kirk Cousins, even though that seems like it might not happen. But I think the Jets take the best player on the board, Bradley Chubb, defensive end, NC State. Now, do they need a pass rusher? Not as much as they need quarterback. But I think the Jets, the last few years, what they've done in the first round is they've just taken the best player. And I think that would fit this mold really well, right? Think about it. Last year, they took Jamal Adams, safety from LSU. Year before. And and he wasn't expected to be there. He was supposed to go earlier. Year before, Leonard Williams, defensive lineman out of USC. Another guy that was supposed to be like a number three or number four pick fell to them, and they took him. I think Bradley Chubb would go really well on any defense. Uh, He is a great prospect. He terrorized good linemen last year, and that included when they played Notre Dame. He played really well against Notre Dame. He is constantly in the backfield. He is smart. He has a motor. He is the size you want. I think it's a really clean pick for the Jets. It'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. I may have them taking one. Both Rosen off the board and Mayfield off the board. I think they pass on the other quarterbacks, which I'm not so sure of. And I think what they end up doing is taking the best player, Bradley Chubb. If he's gone and one of these quarterbacks is pushed down, they might go that route. But one of those four guys, I think that's who they take. The Fitzpatrick, Chubb, uh, Barkley, and Nelson. And they'll get Chubb in this one. Number seven, Tampa Bay Buccaneers select... Denzel Ward, cornerback, Ohio State. <clears throat> so Ohio State's becoming cornerback university right now. They or D-back university because every year it seems like, you know, Garyon Conley coming out, you know, is a, a first-round pick. Malik Hooker, uh, free safety, was one of the top players in the draft last year before he got hurt. Uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, defensive rookie of the year for the Saints. Even before that, you know, Bradley Roby is a big pick. Eli Apple hasn't really worked out, but he's kind of like the outsider of the group because Ohio State, they have just been creating these D-backs who've been going to the NFL and performing at a really high level really early on. I think Tampa looks at that, puts them on the outside, and just doesn't worry about it. They have a lot of needs. I think they would want Nelson the most. They might want Chubb, but those guys are gone here. If they don't need QB... Denzel Ward is the best D-back left. I think he's kind of like kind of the best-case scenario for them at this point. I think they probably would have wanted more quarterbacks to go ahead of them, but they're stuck, and they'll go with Denzel Ward. Number eight, I got the Chicago Bears taking Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker out of V-Tech. Another case of kind of wish the quarterbacks went ahead of them so they could get Quentin Nelson because I think guard is kind of their big spot. 
that they could go for. You know, but, you know, with Nelson gone and kind of no receivers sticking out, I think their best bet is just to take kind of like another leader that they could put on defense. I think the Bears are a really interesting team. I think they'll be getting better, and they might be a team on the rise in the next year or so. I think the Tremaine Edmonds pick, you know, you're getting a physical freak who's only going to get better. He's one of the youngest players in this draft, and he's already kind of filling out to be a nice athletic linebacker. He'll be an interesting choice for Chicago in the top ten, but right now that's where I have them going. Unless uh, they could go another different D-back, but we'll see what free agency brings them. Number nine, speaking of D-backs, go with the San Francisco 49ers taking safety Derwin James out of Florida State. James coming into the year was just you know right up there with Minka Fitzpatrick as a possible you know top five pick, and I think he's the athletic freak that everyone loves, and I think Kyle Shanahan would love to take him. <coughs> they are. Niners are looking for just playmakers. I think they're another team on the rise. Got a lot of cap room. But they're losing free safety Eric Reed. It looks like they're going to let him go to free agency. So kind of seems like they could use another player in their defensive backfield. Uh, there are rumblings are going to sign Tremaine Johnson from the Rams. And now the Rams traded for two cornerbacks, Aqib Tlaib and uh, Marcus Peters, and signed Sam Shields. I think they're just going to be, uh, you know, letting Tremaine Johnson leave for how much ever he wants to sign with. I think Jer uh, James has a chance to be a really, like, big-time player from this draft. He could, he's got a really big boom-bust potential because he's got the body that would say, like, he's going to look like LeBron James in the defensive backfield. He's not 6'8", but... He's 6'3", which is really big for like a you know long rangey safety, and I think uh, I think Shanahan will get the most out of him. It seems like him and Lynch are doing the right thing over in San Francisco right now. Number ten, Oakland. I'll have taking Roquan Smith, freaky athletic linebacker out of Georgia. Kind of a red flag about his medical going up. That hasn't stopped Oakland in the past. I think they'll just look at a guy like Roquan and say, "We, you know, there's not much to do here. He's super athletic. Let's pair him up with Khalil Mack. Let's be very happy with Roquan out of UGA. Number 11, Miami. A big candidate to trade up. It sounds like they're kind of ready to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Maybe they trade Tannehill to a team like Denver and swap picks. Or Chicago. Or not Chicago. Um, the Jets, I don't think they would help a team in division, but it'd be really interesting to see because it sounds like they really want to go QB in this draft. Now, at 11, I'll have them taking Sam Darnold from USC, the quarterback. Uh, I like Darnold. I think he's really interesting. He's 20 years old. He's really young. He's got the body of, like, you know, it's... Everything is likable with Sam Darnold, but I don't love it. Like, he's not the best in this draft at anything. He doesn't take care of the football, and he doesn't handle pressure well. All things that you're not going to get to see him fix in the offseason because he doesn't have to deal with it. You know, he goes to the combine and doesn't throw. 
at his pro day, he's not going to be facing pressure. He's not going to worry about turnovers because he's thrown against air. So he's going to look great. And I think my a team like Miami or Denver or the Jets, someone's going to just like it enough to take him. I think Miami will move up for a quarterback. Uh, at 11, they'll get Darnold. I don't think he's the best quarterback in this draft. I think he's my least favorite of the top five. You know, right now, I don't see him going number one. I just don't see the Browns going with a guy that needs a lot of work done. He's a lot like Deshaun Kaiser, and I don't think they need another Deshaun Kaiser. I think they need someone who can play the quarterback position pretty well already. All these quarterbacks need a lot of work. You don't need one who needs even extra work because he can't take care of the football and he doesn't handle pressure. His footwork's off. He makes some throws that it's like, wow, that is a big-time quarterback. But then he makes some throws that you're saying, how is this guy a first-round draft pick? Make sure when you're watching his tape, you watch more than the Penn State Rose Bowl game. That's all I'm saying. All right. So number 12, I've got Cincinnati taking Marcus Davenport, defensive end out of University of Texas, San Antonio. Probably the highest drafted roadrunner you'll ever see. Uh, Marcus Davenport is a freak. He struggled a little bit during senior bowl practices, but the guy is a monster. And he fits the Cincinnati like draft pick perfectly because they draft guys that either A, might have had problems so they fell a little bit, or B, they're just physical freaks and they were like, let's just put them on the field. And this is a B. This is the, the latter. Davenport is a monster. I think he'll be one of the top players on the board at that point, and I think Cincinnati will be totally fine taking him there. Number 14, got the Washington Redskins taking another Washington player, Vita Vea, out of the University of Washington. Defensive tackle. Now, maybe this isn't their biggest need. I think the Redskins, you know, after doing the trades uh, without Smith and getting rid of Kirk Cousins, they'll have other issues. But watching some of their games last year when they couldn't stop the run late in the season, you want to think, wow, they might think about Vea and say, listen, this guy's a freak athlete at nose tackle, running a sub-540, weighing 300-something pounds. He might you know, line him up next to Jonathan Allen, and you have really a defensive line that you can build around a lot, and you can fill in around those guys because they'll be providing pressure on a daily basis. It's early. I think I'll change this pick. Uh, I want to see if any of the receivers kind of jump up and, and, you know, I take a fancy to, but right now none of them are. So I'll stick with Vey for right now. Number 14, the Green Bay Packers. This is a really tough one for me because I think the Packers would move down if a quarterback is left and a team like the Bills wants to move up. I think this is a nice spot, especially since it's right ahead of the Arizona Cardinals. It's right after the Redskins who got their guy, and I think this could be a trade-down spot, just like the Giants at two, the Colts at three, and uh, I think uh, Miami at 11 could be moving up or down based on quarterbacks. So this was tough, but I like Josh Jackson, the cornerback out of Iowa. The guy is like the perfect size for a corner, a little stiff in the hips at the combine, uh, 
which, like, you know, again, this is just combine stuff, but he's got great ball skills, and I think if you combine him with Kevin King for the future, the Packers have two really long, ball-skilled safe corners who, like, would just be, like, long-term starters for them, and I think that would be a really wise pick to take, you know, just a guy that you know is going to be really good. Watch his tape against Ohio State. He was... I think he had three picks that game. Uh, he had like four interception returns for touchdowns uh, in the season. Really interesting prospect because he is so big for cornerback and he never gets beat long and he makes plays that when you see him catch the ball, you think he's a wide receiver. So I really like him. I know that cornerback probably isn't the biggest need for the Packers, but I don't think they need to be taking first-round picks on anything on offense because as long as Aaron Rodgers is there and it sounds like they're working on a deal to keep him there for even longer, they won't need high draft picks on offense. He makes everyone better around him. What they need is just best player availables on defense. And I think Jackson fits this mold really well, especially in this today's NFL. Your third and fourth cornerback are just as important as your starting linebackers. So get as many good DBs as you can. I like Josh Jackson. Number 15, Arizona Cardinals. Josh Allen, cornerback, quarterback out of Wyoming. <coughs> Sorry, doing a lot of talking. I think this is kind of the sweet spot for Allen. I know a lot of people are putting him in the top two, top three picks. I think at the end of the day, if you were to say, listen, He's got more holes in his game than you want out of a top-ten cornerback. He uh, has a cannon. He looks the part. He's a good kid. All of the things you want to say, except he makes so many bad throws on easy throws. It's like, how can you trust this guy? Because he's jump dumping it off to his running back, and he's tossing it over their head. You know, like, if you put him on the Cleveland Browns drafting number one, and he dumps off to Duke Johnson, he's going to sail it into the uh, the bench. He needs to go to a team that he has time to learn under, and I think Arizona is going to be a team that drafts like a Case Keenum or, or, or signs a Case Keenum or an A.J. McCarron to start for a couple years. And I think Josh Allen, in the long run, could be a very good quarterback for them. But I don't think he's ready to play, and I think he slips because of that. Number 16... The first wide receiver drafted, Calvin Ridley out of Alabama going to the Baltimore Ravens. We know the Ravens like Alabama guys, right? They draft one every year in the first round, it seems like. They also need a wide receiver. If they don't get Jarvis Landry, they're kind of stuck at the receiver position with Brashad Perriman. And that's not a good thing if you're a Ravens fan. Uh, I think Ridley just fits the position that they're looking for too well. He's the number one wide receiver. He didn't have a great combine, but his film is is enough to be a first-round pick at 16. I think it's a great spot for him, and uh, I think uh, he'll be pretty good in the AFC North. I don't think he's going to be Pro Bowl wide receiver, but I think he's a starting wide receiver in his future. So I think 16 of the Ravens is a great spot. 17 to the Chargers. I have Deron Payne. Defensive tackle, also out of Alabama. This is another interesting spot. I want to go offensive line here, and I could, but 
I just don't see it just yet. They've invested a lot in their offensive line recently. I wouldn't be surprised if they went the other route and went defensive line because they could really use more talent up front. They've got a great pass rush. They have Bosa, they you know, and that's like killing it. They have uh, Ingram on the out, on at outside linebacker who's also just an amazing pass rusher. What they could use is someone on the interior kind of clogging up the lanes more so that they can let the pass rushers kind of run free. Instead, those pass rushers are dealing with more blockers because their nose guards have you know are doing one-on-ones and they have guards to help out on the outside. And then Payne provides just a nasty streak on the middle and he could give the defensive ends and outside linebackers plenty of room to work with because he will mess things up in the middle. I think this will be a pick that I could change a lot. Uh, maybe if Vea makes it down to them, or if uh, maybe if Marcus Davenport's still there, they just get another pass rusher. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think they kind of stick to that front seven unless they really love a quarterback prospect to play under Rivers. But I like, uh, I like Deron Payne here at just 17. Uh, to 18 to the Seattle Seahawks. That's where I get a start of a run on offensive linemen. I'll have them taking offensive tackle Connor Williams out of Texas. And they could go with a guard. They can go with a center. They can go with a tackle. And they can do a lot of different things. I don't think they'll go skill position. They are really revamping on defense. Uh, it seems like they are ready to get rid of every defensive back, which would make you think, okay, Maybe they take a D back early, but I don't think they, I think they're too proud to do that. I think they, if they're going to get rid of Richard Sherman, if they're going to trade Earl Thomas, they trust themselves to develop later round picks at the position. So I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if they just went that route for the D backs of the future and then stuck to more of the upfront guys. They've always been bad at drafting linemen. They could use another like shot at one. Connor Williams seems to be one of the better prospects on the offensive line this year. I think he will be the pick for the Seattle uh, Seahawks. They could go a lot of different routes, but I, but Lyman right now is where I'm going with. Number 19, Dallas Cowboys taking who could be another you know Seahawks pick, Isaiah Wynn, guard from UGA. Now. The Cowboys are an interesting team because they could use a whole lot of help on defense. They just franchised uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, who's going to be their franchise player at defensive end. I think a lot of people are still thinking their offensive line is that great one from two years ago, and it's just not. They let Ronald Leary go, and then they let you know, well, they didn't let Doug Free retired, so they quickly had to make some moves on the offensive line, and it's not quite the same as it once was. So I think they could really use an upgrade because Jonathan Cooper was not a good player on the inside of their line. Lyle Collins did all right on the outside. Tyron Smith is great when he plays when he's healthy. You know, so if you come, if you go with Frederick. Uh, Right, yeah, that's his last. Yeah, yeah, uh, the center, Martin at guard, and then Win at guard, and then you got those two guys on the outside, 
I think that's a much, you know, you're getting back to the line that got the Cowboys to the playoffs, combined it with Zeke Elliott and the offense uh, that has done pretty well over the last couple of years. I think win at guard is a good is a good pick for them. And they could go another route. They could go tackle and move Collins inside uh, if they really like Mike McGlinchey, if Connor Williams is there. Cowboys have a lot of flexibility because they also, if any of those defense players, Derwin James, Marcus Davenport, Vita, Vita Vea, a lot of different guys on defense they can go, but I think Isaiah wins a very safe pick for them. Number 20, Detroit Lions. <clears throat> this is another one I think if they want this guy, they might have to move up. And I, I like Darius Geis, the running back of LSU. Originally planned on him being the 33rd pick for the Browns, but too many teams like him. He might as go as high as 11 to the Dolphins. Dolphins really like him, but I think they're kind of just driving up price, driving up interest to see if they can move down if they don't get their QB. I like Geis a lot. I think uh, you know he's been improperly labeled uh, kind of just as like, Leonard Fournette's backup. I don't think that's fair at all. I really like him. He runs like he's pissed off, like the world doesn't think he's any good. He's really entertaining on Twitter. He has really good vision. He takes the yards that his offensive line creates for him. He doesn't try and bounce out. The one thing I don't like about Barkley is he bounces out way too much, and he doesn't see the holes that are right in front of him. It's a very Trent Richardson problem that was with the Browns. But uh, I think, I mean, Barkley's going to be a lot better than Trent Richardson. But with Geis, he takes what the line gives him. And he's not, and he'll always take the four yards if he sees the four yards instead of trying to bounce it out. He runs through people. He is a, a nice goal line back. He's got do- solid receiving skills, even though they didn't pass it to him a whole lot. I really like Geis for Detroit's offense, too, because I think the way that they kind of share the football a lot they won't lean on him too much, and I think that'll be his best-case scenario. Is not as a workhorse back, as a guy that shares the load. And on a team that has Matt Stafford, who's sharing the ball a lot, it's a really good fit. I think they just have to move up from 20 for him, though. 21 and 22. The Buffalo Bills have the next two picks, and I think they can go very interesting route here. I think... The Buffalo Bills take quarterback Lamar Jackson out of Louisville. They don't like Tyrod Taylor. I don't know why they don't give him his fair share because he just doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He's been winning football games for the last couple years. He was a low draft pick for Baltimore and proved that he could be a QB. I think they get it right with Lamar Jackson seeing that he can be so much better than Tyrod Taylor. You know, I, I, I'm tired of all the, you know, wide receiver talk and that he should be moving positions. Honestly, it's too bad that <clears throat> he can't go back to the the college because I think the best thing for Lamar Jackson would be, hey, can I go back to school and prove everyone that I'm a friggin' quarterback? Because if I get drafted as a wide receiver, I'll never play quarterback again. So I have to say that I'm playing quarterback. If I get drafted in the first round, it'll likely be by a team that isn't looking at me to start right away. And thus, I'm not going to get to show that I'm a good quarterback. So, I'd like to see him go back to school and prove that he's a good quarterback and not just an athlete. But it's never going to happen like that. 
Uh, I think Buffalo takes him. If they sit him behind uh, Tyrod Taylor or whoever they've got, I think uh, he'll have the chance to learn uh, a little bit. But he ran a very complex system in college. So I don't see why the, what the problem is and why people don't give him enough credit. He's a little inaccurate. But I don't know. I mean, every comparison is he's a better Michael Vick. So I think Buffalo takes him at 21. And then with their next pick, knows how they avoid that 22 quarterback death spot. Their next pick, I have them helping out their young quarterback with Billy Price, center from Ohio State. I really love this two-spot pick because they're going to be taking the quarterback of the future with one pick. Help them out. I love I love the help them out pick. And this way they get to replace Evan Wood, who just retired. Now, they have a good line to begin with. Billy Price might not even be the best center in the draft, but I'm a big fan of his. He's very gritty, and I think he'll, he'll just be a very awesome Buffalo fit, and he'll go right next to Richie Incognito. He'll be the center for a decade for them, and they'll be very happy with him going forward because the guy is, even though he just hurt his pack at the Combine, he was playing his ass off for Ohio State the last three years where he was like a bit of an Iron Man. I love the Billy Price pick to go into Buffalo. Next up, we have the Rams at 23. I am taking Rashawn Evans, linebacker from Alabama. Rams are interesting because they've made so many moves, right? They just acquired three corners. They're going to be franchising their uh, free safety, LaMarcus Joyner. And they're going to let Tremaine uh, Johnson go. So... At defensive back, they kind of look set. They did, however, trade away two of their linebackers. Robert Quinn, who's better off as a defensive end, and Alec Ogletree. Today, trade him to the New York Giants. So, they have a need at linebacker. They're kind of running a new scheme here. And I think, uh, you know, Rashawn Evans is the type of guy that they bring in. Alabama guy, had a great combine, had a great career at Bama. Could be the guy that they bring in to kind of change the look of their front seven because they're going to need to pay Aaron Donald. So maybe take a, a linebacker now, move some of those other guys, allows them to free up some money because they're going to have a lot of guys to play. They're going to have to pay Gurley. They're going to have to pay uh, Marcus Peters they just traded for. They have to pay Aaron Donald. Uh, Jared Goff, eventually, he's two years in. So they have a lot of money tied up in these guys. I think they want to go to you know linebackers who don't demand the same dollar that some of these other positions do. So if they draft one here in the first round, allocate money elsewhere, I think that's a very smart pick for them. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's the best linebacker in this draft. Maybe they would want a Roquan Smith, but again, the Rams have made four trades, and the season hasn't even started yet. Don't be surprised if they make another trade, too, to acquire more picks, free up some cap space for their you know all-stars. Number 24, we're towards the end of the draft here. Carolina Panthers select Jair Alexander, corner from Louisville. Great combine. Uh, very cocky defensive back, but you kind of want that. You need a swagger with your DBs. Carolina could use... Uh, uh, upgrades on, at the line. 
they like their receivers, so I don't think they're going to take one here. Alexander fits a real big need for them because they could really use some defensive back help. And Alexander is a clear first-round pick. So I got them sticking with him. Number 25, Tennessee is going to be losing multiple linemen. So they could really use an upgrade at either guard or tackle. Uh, I believe both guards are free agents. So if Wynn makes it here, I think he's a slam dunk pick. Uh, I think it could be Billy Price if they want to play him at guard. Uh, James Daniels, the center, I think they can stay away from him. But Will Hernandez, guard out of uh, University of Texas, El Paso, fits the bill for what they kind of need. If they want to go with a cheaper, younger offensive lineman, he had a great combine. He moved really well for a guard, and he is thick as hell. Uh, it's going to be hard to get around him or through him. So a bit of a boring pick for the Titans, but I uh, right now have them going Hernandez out of Utah. To the Atlanta Falcons, number 26, I have Mo Hurst from Michigan. He was sent home with a bit of a heart condition, from the combine, but I think that's the type of thing that allows him to be available to these teams drafting at the end of the draft. This seems like a Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Vikings, New England Patriots, Saints, Falcons type pick where they take a guy that slipped a little bit because of a condition and they will get the best out of him for however long he plays in his career. So I like him going to Atlanta who could use some help on the inside. They've got great pass rushers. They're, I mean, why not get a defensive lineman that is going to clog it up a little bit? Dontari Poe did that pretty well at times from this year, but they need more. And uh, I believe he's a free agent, and unless they're planning on re-signing him, they're going to need some help on the inside. They aren't the team that needs to draft offense in the first round, but they could use a tight end if they didn't go defensive line. So keep that in mind as well. Maybe a Mike Jasicki or Dallas Goddard. Uh, Goddard. Goddard. I always say that. Dallas Goddard. But for now, I'll have him taking Mo Hurst to uh, pair up with Tack McKinley and uh, Vic Beasley and kind of get a really frustrating line to block going forward in a, in a division that has a bunch of franchise QBs. Okay. The next pick, 27, New Orleans, another team that could take Mo Hurst. Same position, Taven Bryan, Florida, defensive tackle. Uh, Bryan, I admit, I got to see a little bit more of, but everything that people are saying is he's super athletic. He can play multiple positions on the defensive line, and I think that's the type of thing the Saints would want right now. Again, like the last few teams I mentioned, I don't think they're going to look for weapons on offense at this point in the draft. If, um, they have their running backs. They have their receivers. They're going to sign Drew Brees. All the quarterbacks are gone. I think this is a perfect spot for them to just keep on loading up with guys in their front seven. and keep. That's the way of the NFL now is to get – look at what the Eagles are doing by getting Mart, uh, Martellus Bennett – not Martellus – uh, Michael Bennett, and just keep on rotating in good defensive linemen so that they're always pressuring the quarterback with fresh, healthy, angry D linemen. And I think uh, the Saints see that happening and could be like, look, this is what we got to do. We got to keep on rotating in 
these big-time defensive linemen. So I could see that becoming kind of the thing going forward. Uh, number 28, Pittsburgh. This one's tough. You know, they could go a couple different routes on defense. You know, I wanted to give them Ronald Jones, a running back out of USC, if Le'Veon Bell were to leave, but they franchised him. They don't need a receiver. Uh, there's not a quarterback here that would make the most sense. They could go tight end, but I think they like you know knowing that they can get tight ends anywhere. I think the Dallas Cowboys take Sam Hubbard, defenseman from Ohio State. They love taking Ohio State Buckeyes. They love taking front seven guys that can wreak havoc. And I think this just fits the bill perfectly. Uh, Hubbard might not even start for them right away. But they could always use guys that, just like I said, rotate in and kick ass on the line. You have Sam Hubbard. You have TJ Watt. You have Bud Dupree. All, you know, I, I know they're going to have to think about Ryan Chazier. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. He could... He's not going to be playing this year. He might not play the year after. He's got a lot more things on his hand than playing football. So I think that'll be interesting to watch on if they want to draft another inside linebacker. But I think Sam Hubbard allows them to run different fronts. He can put his hand in the ground. He can you know, play an outside linebacker spot. Hubbard from the Buckeyes makes a lot of sense for Pittsburgh. For 29, the Jacksonville Jaguars... Here's where I have the first tight end of the draft going, Dallas Goddard. Uh, you've got the Jaguars who have built an awesome defense. And they really don't need to be drafting somebody in the first round to, to add to them. What they need is more of an aerial attack. They paid Blake Bortles, so they're not going QB. They just drafted Leonard Fournette. And it seems like they're best at wide receiver when they don't have a go-to guy, when they have a bunch of guys on the field. So that makes me think Allen Robinson's going to be gone. And that a wide receiver, they're just going to keep on bringing in guys that fight for time, and no one's really a number one. You know, Marquise Lee and just Allen Hearns or whoever it is out there, I think that's kind of what they stick with. But at tight end, they could really use a game changer. You know, they saw how tough it was to cover Gronk before he got hurt. And I think they look at that as say, hmm, if we could get ourselves a Gronk, and I'm not saying Dallas Goddard is Gronk, right? You know, Gronk is one of the best tight ends of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. He might be the best tight end of all time, depending upon your thoughts of the longevity of Tony Gonzalez's career. But Goddard is huge, and he has this ability to make these one-handed acrobatic catches that I think a lot of teams are going to fall in love with. And I think Jacksonville will kind of like this splashy pick of, hey, we've now got a big-time red zone threat. We don't need to keep on relying on Mercedes Lewis and Leonard Fournette. So that should be another interesting pick. Dallas Goddard, tight end out of San Diego State. Number 30, last three picks. Minnesota. Now, I think they'll be getting Kirk Cousins, it sounds like they're going to give him a fully guaranteed contract, which, good for Kirk. Go get your money, man. But uh, it means they're going to have to lose guys at other positions. And, you know, Anthony Barr's contract is coming up. Stefan Diggs' contract is coming up. And they have a few other contracts coming up. But I think Diggs is the one that they'll let go because they say, look, you're good, you're nice. 
but you're going to want $10 million a year. We don't have that. So replace the Maryland Terrapin wide receiver with another one. DJ Moore coming out. A lot of people are comparing him to Stephon Diggs, but he's bigger and thicker, and he he ran really well. He has good hands. He does it all. He returns kicks. He can run the ball out of the backfield. He can do a lot of the things that they'll ask uh, Diggs to do, and he'll be a fraction of the cost. I think this would be a good pick. They signed Thielen long-term and not Diggs, and they go back to the draft and take DJ Moore. I think that's the best route for them if they go Cousins and can't afford to sign all of their free agents. Okay, last two picks. The New England Patriots. <clears throat> no, I do not have a white wide receiver, but I do have a running back for them that I think can catch the ball really well and can even shoulder the load if they ask him to, even though Dem uh, New England never does that. I have him taking Sony Michelle out of Georgia. This is a bit of a gluttonous pick you know, for me. I think this is a little too much. They don't need a guy like Sony. Um, he, he's a, the, My favorite comparison I heard was he's Willis McGahee, but healthier. He didn't get all of the credit in Georgia because they also had Nick Chubb there, and he was playing behind other guys. Like, you know, when, when Nick Chubb was there, he was the guy after Gurley or... Uh, or uh, Marshall, or Ger yeah, because their name was Gershel there. I think uh, you know Michelle has a chance to be a real starting running back in the NFL. He catches the ball really well. He uh, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. He is a solid, shifty Willis McGahee type runner. Going forward, if he goes to the right team, he could be very effective. And I think with Bill Belichick. Mixing him in with, you know, they're going to lose a guy like Deion Lewis. They're going to lose guys like Danny Amendola or whatever. They could use, they love these smaller, shifty guys that they could just pop in and out all over the place. I think Sonny Michel is the first-round version of that running back, just like Brandon Cooks is the first-round version of that wide receiver. And the last pick of the first round of the Jake Brainy mock draft, I have the Philadelphia Eagles taking Isaiah Oliver, cornerback out of Colorado. Look, they've just rebuilt their defensive line again. They have more defensive linemen than they could want. Uh, their offense kicked ass with Nick Foles. So they don't need to do much to their offense. Uh, this could have been a Michelle pick. I think Sonny Michelle would have been awesome here. Uh, they could go with Ronald Jones Jr., or a couple of the other running backs that'll be there around too, but I'd like Oliver here because they could use cornerback help. Uh, that's one of their areas of weakness. I didn't think it was too weak, but a lot of Eagle fans told me otherwise, and that they could use some help there. Uh, you don't know when Sidney Jones is going to be able to come back and play from Washington. They drafted him last year, hoping that uh, he would turn into a starter. You can't really depend on that because you never know how those things work out with those like you know late you know offseason injuries. And then with Oliver, you get a starting cornerback where you just you happy that you get a starter at the thirty second pick because it's gravy on top of what they're dealing with right now. So anyway, that is my mock draft. Let me know what you think. 
Um, for those, uh, you know, if if you didn't like the pick I gave your team, tell me why, and and I'll and I'll dive into it even further. I thought I dove into most of the picks pretty deeply, but let me know what you think. If you're a Colts fan and you and you don't think uh, they should be taking a guard in the top three, or if you're a Packers fan and you think we don't need another cornerback, we just drafted one last year. Let me know. If you want a different QB, if you don't agree with the QB rankings, let me know. I'm embracing the questioning and the talks. So give me, you know, give me them. Anyway, this was a great podcast, a super long one. This was very long, but I appreciate everyone listening. I was uh, out last week, so I'm excited that uh, I got to do a really long one this week. Next week, Brendan Leister, he will be on the podcast. We will be talking... NFL free agency. We'll be talking more combine results. We'll be talking Browns. We'll have a lot of things to go over, and uh, I promise that one is a must-listen to. But until then, everyone, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Love you.